are now listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor. Please join the service in progress. I need a breakthrough. I need 
our hymn of preparation. Why don't you stand with us and sing your old hymn as we ready our hearts for the word. Sing that with a sweet hour. Thank you. 
in seasons in seasons of distress and grief my soul have all Father, we thank you for the hour of prayer where we can come to you and lay at your feet our petitions, express the deep needs of our hearts, the hurts that we feel, the disappointments, the challenges that we face, and we know that you hear us always. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you today. We pray now that as we come to your word, you would speak it to us so clear, so deep, that none of us would escape the truth. That we will be helped, that we will be led, that we will be lifted. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Bless now the words in our mouth and the meditations on our heart. That it may be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I like those old hymns, man. I, they have so much theology in them, and they lift our spirit in these difficult times. The word of the Lord comes to us this morning continually from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. We'll look at a couple of verses, verses 5 through 7. And we trust that this Sunday and next we'll look at all of the verses between 5 and 15. But for the morning, we just want to focus the Samonic Spotlight here. And there the word of the Lord says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of the Samaritans enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to talk today about the missionary call. The missionary call. Before us, just a little while ago, stood 16, 17, 18 people that are being commissioned or moved forward into an area of ministry that they have not done before. The call of God is real and it's continual. It's ongoing. It has been from the beginning of creation. It is now and it will continue to go forward. The call is necessary because of the disobedience of man. And his unwillingness to yield his life to his Savior. So God calls. And he calls in different ways. There are three levels to the call. The first level of the call is to call men from darkness into the marvelous light. 
And then after men are called into the marvelous light, they're called into a learning or a discipleship and understanding a growing time period of development. And then comes a third call, a call to some area of Christian service. The call of God can be difficult. The call of God can be confusing. As a young child, I believed that I had been called to preach, but didn't understand it. And I would ask people, how do you know when God has called you? And they would never give me a satisfactory answer only to say, oh, you would know. And after high school, I thought I had gotten away from it. I went off to college and got into that far country <laughs> to try to discover who I could be outside of God. But even there, I was a fish hooked. And he let me run and he let me flop my tail and try to spit the bit out of my mouth, but I couldn't. And eventually, I had to yield to the call of God. I remember affirming that I would not respond to the call of God unless God literally opened heaven and said, hey, Michael, this is God, and I am calling you. I honestly thought that's what the call surely must be. How mistaken I was. The call of God in its simplest definition is a demand that's laid on us as individuals as to how we would use our time on earth. It starts as an idea in the mind. And early on, you're kind of able to dismiss it, push it back, push it down, suppress it. But it keeps coming back. And no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what you try to do, it always manifests itself until you have the case of can't help it. And once a person has been gripped by the can't help it, then they will find themselves yielding obediently to the will of God. Unfortunately, there are some who resist the call so strong and so long that they never finish or fulfill the purpose that God intended for their life. I pray today that that won't happen to any of you. That you would hear the understanding this morning and allow a little light to be shed on it so that your life can be filled to the overflowing and you can become all that God wants or intends for you to be. God's first call came in the Garden of Eden, way back in the infancy, the beginning of the world, the beginning of human society, when the first man and the first woman was still fresh, fresh out of the soil he was, fresh out of the man's side she was. And one day, having disobeyed God in the Garden, and had partaken of the forbidden tree. They called themselves hiding from God by making themselves an apron of fig leaves. And God came down in the cool of the evening calling Adam. Adam, where art thou? And later Adam answered, I was hiding because I was naked and afraid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you done what I told you not to do? And Adam had to reveal himself. God made him appropriate clothing of animal skin, meaning that a sacrifice had to take place of an animal to properly cover them. It was out of that disobedience that God called him and brought the first missionary call. 
Now fast forward in the earth, and here we are at the time of the, of the presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ in human flesh. And yes, he knew of the first disobedience. He was there then, and he's here now. And these men, these 12 men that he has called, he called them literally early in their life when they were just fishermen around the Sea of Galilee, stepped up to each one and said, come follow me, and I will make you a fisherman of men. And they came out of the darkness and they followed Jesus in a discipleship, in a learning experience. And for three years they followed him. They listened to his words. They watched his example. They learned who he was and what he was about. And now at this particular juncture, as we come to chapter 10, we see him commissioning them or sending them out on their first short-term mission. Now later he would call them to go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But at this point, this is what we just saw with our young people, their first sending out on a short-term mission trip. Now, Matthew has made it clear for nine chapters that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, that he is their king. All the way from the genealogy that was laid out in chapter 1 to the announcement of him as king from the wise men that came to the father in heaven saying, this is my beloved son, to Satan attacking him and doubting him saying, if you be the son of God, then do this. Then the affirmation of himself through the teaching of the word in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and in chapters 8 and 9, demonstrating that he has the power, unlike anyone else, to calm storms, to call out the devil, to heal sickness and disease, and no manner of sickness or disease was too difficult for him. He proved that he was the Son of God. But here, as we come to the end of chapter 9, is a transition period where Jesus turns now to his disciples. And he looks at the end of the world and he says to them, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He said, this work is too big for one person to do. And therefore, you must pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, you and I, by way of interpretation, have to understand what was going on here and how this applies to us. Jesus was looking at the sea of humanity, yes, in his day, but down the barrel of time to see that the end is coming. And the end is going to end in a judgment. And to prevent people from being victimized by the judgment, he's calling for laborers to go into the vineyard to help gather in those before it's too late. And so he says to the disciples, this is the problem. Here is the solution. Pray. To the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers in the vineyard. And what he understood and what he knew is if they prayed long enough for someone to come along and present the word to your children, to my children, to your family members, to someone that you know that you may not be able to get to, God will ultimately arrest you and help you understand it's not others that need to go. It's you that needs to go. And so he says, by way of action, as we open chapter 10, he called those 12 that he had just said, pray that to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers in the vineyard. Then he turns right around and says, you guys go, come here. And we met them. We met Peter. We met James and John and Andrew and Simon and all of the 12. We know who they are. And he sent them out. 
Mark's gospel said two by two. I think he sent them out two by two because it was important that each one would have at least someone else to be with them in their times of loneliness. I think it was important for him to send them out two by two in case one got tired or discouraged along the way. There would be someone else there to help encourage and help lift the load. And I think they were sent out two by two because the work of preaching and healing and teaching can get tiring. And it, at least someone else was there. They could share part of the load. What you and I have got to understand this morning is that what gets shared gets multiplied. When ministry is shared, ministry gets multiplied. When you take it all to yourself and think that you are the long ranger and that you can do it all, fatigue is bound to sit in. Discouragement will overcome you. The attacks of the enemy will come and you won't be able to continue. So if you're going to be encouraged, be encouraged to know that God knows exactly who you are. And yes, he doesn't make mistakes when he calls. Now, he called those men physically, as I said, just very point blank, right in their face. Come follow me. He doesn't necessarily call you and I that way. He calls us through the recesses of our minds. He puts it in our mind. He puts a desire. He puts a thought in our mind. And then he comes back and he waters that thought. And he multiplies that thought until it grows inside of us. So he says to them, look at what he does. He commanded them to go forward. And that word commanded in, in the Greek is, is, is a word that really means he sent them out under orders. It's a military term. And it means they were sent out without the ability to refuse to go. When a, when a soldier or person is in the military and they are given orders, they must carry out those orders or face the seriousness of the consequences. But most soldiers gladly take on the orders that they're given and carry them out. And that's what the Lord wants for us. That's what he wants for these young. That's what he wants for us now. We are living in a crazy world where there's so much turmoil. There are drive-bys and shootings and killings and political wranglings and undoing of society as you and I have known it. And we know the answer. We know that the answer is through salvation in Christ. But we're sitting back. And we're waiting on somebody else to go. We're waiting on somebody else to do. And God is saying, no, you, you must go. And, and, and listen, listen, listen at this command. Listen at this commission. You have to be commissioned to go. That is, you can't just go on your own. You can't just went. You need to be sent. Listen at what, what, what the Apostle Paul said to the people in, 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 in Rome when he was writing the letter to the Romans in chapter 10. He said, how can they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how can they hear except there be a messenger? And how can they give that message unless they have been sent? And he concludes that how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. So Jesus looked at these 12 and he sent them out like a military soldier. But it's not only a military term, this commanding them to go. It was also a term used in social life that was used for integrity. So they had an ethical obligation to go. And you and I have an ethical obligation to go. And then it was a term that was used 
in grammar and in composition that if you were going to do formal writing, you had to follow these rules. And that's the same thing with this commissioning, with this commanding to go. You must follow the rules. You can't just go and make it up like you want to as you go. There are some rules, some principles of the kingdom that has to be followed. You got to love people. You got to treat them right. You got to do people the way you would want people to do you, not necessarily the way they will do you. Rules to be followed. It was also a a term that was used by a medical doctor. This commissioning, this sending out under orders. If you, if you went to a medical doctor and you wanted to be healed, then you would have to follow the prescription, the way he has laid it out. And Jesus is saying, if you want to see the benefit of the fruit of changed lives, you have to follow the prescription that I'm giving. And so he sends these 12 out. So we're sending these 16 out. And God is still sending people out every day. And not only were they commissioned, but they were given, number two, clear objectives or a clear focus. Listen to what Jesus said to these men. He said, now, listen, I, I want you to go. I'm sending you out. But go not, but only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't, don't, don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. But go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, now, somebody might look at that and say, wait, Jesus, what's wrong? The Samaritans were not important to your salvation? And Gentiles were not important to your salvation? Oh, that, that's not true. They were important. But listen, this was a specific assignment given to a specific group of people. And I think there are three main reasons why he gave them the clarity that he does. Because all of us need clarity. Listen, there are a lot of people who have been called and they're just all over the place. And, and nothing is accomplished when you're all over the place. You need to be working on a particular kind of thing. More can get done when we're specific in what we're after than what we do when we're using the shotgun approach. Listen at what he says to them. Go not but to the lost Sheep of the house of Israel. Why? Because Israel was special. Israel has always been special in the mind of God. These were the people God had especially chosen. Do you remember Exodus chapter 20 when they came out of Egypt and he met with them at the Mount of Sinai? He said, I am the Lord your God. And I have brought you up out of the house of bondage. And I am a jealous God. And thou shalt have no other God before me. So Israel was a, a, in a special place. God sent the prophets through the nation of Israel. God made them the custodians of the word of God. And so they had a special place. And if there was anybody that needed to be saved... They needed to be saved first. It wasn't that God was not concerned that others would be saved, but God wanted these men to start at the hardest place possible. And that's right at home, right among your own folk. How many know that it's much more difficult to deal with people in your own environment than it is to deal with others? Sometimes it's much more difficult to get to your own children. Sometimes it's much more difficult to get to your own siblings. Sometimes it's much more difficult to get to your own set of friends. Oh, you're going to talk to us like that? I remember the first time I preached, man. I, that was 40-some years ago. And my kindergarten teacher was still alive. And she was sitting out there. And she said, little boy, are you going to raise your voice at us? I say, if you lost, 
Start at the hardest place. The most difficult in this society is right here in this community. Start right here. You don't need to lead protests across the nation. You don't need to march on Washington. You just need to knock on the next door neighbor. Or maybe go in the back room or in the next room and talk to your child or your grandchild or somebody else and let them know that they need Jesus. That's how this thing gets happened. That's how it changes. Boatloads of people are lined up to go right into eternity, separated from Christ. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. So the Lord is calling. And he's calling for men and women, boys and girls, to go. But listen, he's specifically saying, go first to your own before you go somewhere else. Now, I think that not only was it the, the special place of Israel was the reason that he said, go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But I think secondly, he says, go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel because he understood the problem that the 12 were going to have. None of the 12 was prepared to deal with their prejudice. If they go to the Samaritans, that was already a problem. That was already a barrier between Jews and Samaritans. And these men had nothing in their background, nothing in their lives that would prepare them to be able to overcome that. They had nothing to handle outside world. So Jesus understood that there was going to be limitations that was going to be placed on them. He's given them so he sets them up so that they could be successful. Go on a short-term mission trip and go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because I know that you're not ready. May I help somebody understand that everybody is not ready for every assignment? And God will give you a small portion first. And if you demonstrate faithfulness in carrying that out, then he can increase and enlarge the territory. But it comes through faithfulness. The reward of faithfulness is more responsibility. The well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Now I will make you ruler over the many. But the many won't come if the faithfulness in the few is not carried out. So I think he limited their responsibility because he knew the problem of the twelve. And then thirdly, I think he limited them to go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel because he knew the fight that they would be up against. Now, if he had sent them first, now these are 12 Jewish men who had lived in the Jewish community all their life. They had been around the Lake of Galilee, never traveled outside. All they had done was do what they did. Now, if he had sent them first to the Samaritans, and then they came back and tried to minister to the Jewish people, they would have been totally rejected. And Jesus is such a merciful Savior, he knows how hard rejection is for all of us. No one likes to be rejected. Rejection hurts. And when you're offering somebody what you know is in their best interest, and they're turning it down left and right over and over again, that can be pretty hard. So Jesus knew that they weren't ready yet. He had somebody that would be ready. Later on, you would see Paul, Peter, should I say, go to Cornelius' house. And, and he is successful there in that Gentile conversion. But that's the end of Peter's work outside of the Jewish community. God had somebody. And his name was the Apostle Paul. But Paul was prepared. He had been prepared for both sides to be able to work in both environments. He had been brought up in the Jewish community, studied at the feet of Gamaliel in the Jewish tradition. But he had been born a Roman citizen. 
And he had lived in that Roman Greek world. So when God called Paul and commissioned him to go out, he sends him largely to the Gentile world. And he is successful because he's prepared for the fight. He knows the Jewish argument and he knows the Greek and Roman cultures. And he was able to be successful in bringing both to a place of salvation. God doesn't make mistakes on his assignments. I was saying earlier, man, that I remember in the early years of the ministry, man, that I, I had some challenges. And, and, and because of the pushback and the rejection, I had to go back to God. I said, God, wait a minute, am I in the right place? And God had that reason with me. What have I called you to do? And then I said, preach. And he said, what have I equipped you to do? I said, teach. He said, then do that and lead these people along. And I left and went preaching and teaching crazy. And the church grew. He doesn't make mistakes. I remember once, man, when I was having a little challenge with one of my sons. Man, we go through that sometimes. You do know that. As parents, we had those periods of time where we had those rounds. And we was in one of those rounds. And finally, we got through the round and he went off to college. Went away from home, stomping. And he came back home one time and we had a conversation. And he said to me, Daddy, it's amazing how much sense you have gotten. <laughs> I said, oh, really? <laughs> All right, I'll accept it. But it's amazing that all you need is just give it time and God will show you the wisdom behind what he's doing and why he limited what he gave you to do. But not only that, my brothers and sisters, you must be commissioned. And then you should have a clear focus, a clear series of objectives of what it is that God wants you to do. See, I'm clear today. My task is to preach the gospel. And my task is to preach right here. <laughs> Contrary to whatever you may think, this is where you're going to find me. Preaching the word of God. Maybe not like you think, maybe not as well as you think, but giving it the best that I can give each time out. But listen, there's something else that goes with this. Commission, the goal, under the orders, the specificity of how much or how little to do and which group to go to. But then thirdly, you got to carry the right message. Listen to what Jesus said. As you go, preach the gospel of the kingdom. See, we got people preaching everything. You got people preaching hate. You got preaching Black power, you got people preaching this power and that power and green power and undergarment power and sexual power. You got people preaching everything. But Jesus wants us to preach the gospel of the kingdom. You got to announce that there is a king and there is a kingdom and there is but one way to enter that kingdom. And we have got to tell people the truth. You've got to help people to know who that king is. You've got all kind of people waving the banner, wanting to be that king. But there is one. And he is one that's born out before time began. One who came into the earth. Stopped on the nine-month straw in Bethlehem. Grew up like a natural man. Walked the dusty plains of Palestine. Healed the sick, raised the dead, opened the eyes of them. And then one Friday he went to a cross, to a place called Calvary. And there he sacrificed his life so that all of us could go free and have a right to eternal life. It is that message that we must tell. We must tell it to the young. We must tell it to the old. We must tell it to those who don't even know, never heard of him. We got to inform them. Go 
to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But as you go preach the king, tell them about a king. Tell them about whose kingdom is not of this world. Tell them about one day he's coming again. He's coming to receive those whose bodies and lives have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We got to tell them that. And then look at what else he does. I'm almost done. He gave them specific credentials. He said, now listen, as you go, look at, look at what he did. He's, he gave them the power to, to heal the sick. He gave them power to cast out the demons. He gave them power to even raise the dead. And you and I might be looking and say, oh, Pastor, now you're going too far now. I don't have that kind of power. Not in the physical sense, but there are people who are just as dead spiritually. And you have the power to raise them. You have the power to heal the sin-sick souls. There are a lot of people who are lame. They can't walk, baby. They don't know which way straight is. You got people that are blind. They're running into each other. The blind leading the blind. And you have the truth. And you're armed with the truth. And so you're to go. My young people, you're to go. You're to go to Eros. You're to be the hand and feet of Jesus. You're to carry the message of salvation. You're to tell younger people, young people just like yourself, who may be disenfranchised from their mother and their father. You can tell them when your mother and father forsake you, then the Lord will take you up. You can tell them he'll be a mother for you. He'll be a father for you. He'll be a way maker. He'll be the light in the darkness. He'll be all that you need him to be. Oh, if somebody here knows the truth, somebody knows from, from your own personal testimony, from your own personal experience, because the way has been closed, the door has been slammed in your face, and but miraculously God opened the door. And you're here today. You were on a bed of affliction, sick, and they shook their heads, said, Well, nothing else that could be done. But God said, Oh, yes, it is. You're still here. You're able to tell it because of the goodness of God. And that's what our, our task is. We don't come to church just to be entertained. No, I'm too old to do that crazy stuff. No flipping up here now. No splits. No crazy running around. Just the plain truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. But every week, lives need to be changed. You can look at people and they look all right. You can look at family members and they look all right. But inside, they're torn up. And they need Jesus. And they need you to be that hand, that guide, that person that God has commissioned to share with them the love of Jesus. So what is the word? What is the word today? Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Wherever we go, we got to be talking about Jesus. We got to be demonstrating the love of Jesus. May not be popular in some places, but it's still the right thing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No other name like Jesus. And what I love about him is he's so wonderful. You can, you can describe him in many ways. You, you can describe his attributes. You can, you, you can say that he's immutable. He doesn't change. You, 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 you can say he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You, 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 you can say whatever. He's a doctor in a sick room. You can say he's a lawyer in a courtroom. You can say like botanists, he's the rose of Sharon. You can say like astronomers, he's, he's the bright and morning star. You can say he's the lily of the valley. But I just simply say he's wonderful. 
and wonderful is a powerful word to describe multiple things. He's wonderful. Every morning, he's wonderful. He wakes up the sun in the east and marches it across into the west. He's wonderful. Every time I touch something wet, it's the water, it's always wet. He's wonderful. Every time when I look at grass during this time of year, it's still green. He's wonderful. He put the buzz in bees. He's wonderful. He, he put the, he put the, the flop in, in birds. He's wonderful. He put the swim in fish. He's wonderful. He put love in my old cold heart. He's wonderful. He put salvation in my heart. Put a song in my mind. Put clapping in my hands. Put running in my feet. He's wonderful. My God. My God is wonderful to me. And if you don't know him today, I want you to get a chance to meet him. He's still calling. He's calling men from darkness into the marvelous light. That is, walk out of your sin and come into a place of salvation. He's still calling men to be learners, disciples, to follow him and learn of him. And he's still calling men to go on specific missions trips, activities to share specifically the love of Jesus. He's wonderful, I tell you. And if you've never met him, right where you sit, this is what you can do. You can pray. You can say, Lord God, forgive me of my sin. Help me to be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that you want me to be. Tell me the truth. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he came to the earth I believe he died on a cross to pay the debt for my sin. And now I want him to live in me. Friend, if you pray like that, your life changed. It really changed right here, right now. You need a church home. You want to get involved in ministry. Then we're going to give you that opportunity as well. Doors of the church open. Anytime doing the singing of the song. Get up from your seat. Get one of my brothers your hand. And let's begin this relationship. Why we sing? Listen at the boy. Listen, 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 listen. God, he's so wonderful. Yes, sir. Anybody know he's wonderful? Do you know that? He's wonderful. God. Wonderful, 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 
kind of God that we have. He is a wonderful God that he is so merciful that he's still calling and he's still deploying and he's still sending missionaries, people out looking for disobedient Adams and Eves to bring into the family and to save them from the punishment that is to come. That's how wonderful our God is. Listen, I'm so thankful and grateful that all of you have chosen to be here this morning. We thank you for joining us for worship. We're going to bring our service to a close now. We're going to sing another old hymn. It's called, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. So will you stand with me as we bring today's service to a close? One verse, my faith. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine, and hear me while I pray, take all my guilt away. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. We thank you for the truth that you are still on a missionary hunt. You're still making demands of men's lives. You're still calling us from darkness into the marvelous light. You're still sending us out on short-term missions because you know that we have been disobedient. You know the judgment is coming. You know the harvest is full. You know the laborers are few. Thank you for being willing to include us in your call. May we be obedient and go to those who are lost among us. May we be obedient, Father, in being and doing and carrying out the commission, the orders that you have given. May we carry the right message as we go. We pray now not only for these who are here, but we pray for names who we called earlier. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. You have been listening to a message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205-925-5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org. For an uplifting message, please join us for the next broadcast.